Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Self-awareness, the number one leadership competency. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, in studio today with Ron Price. Ron has worked with leaders and served in a variety of organizations for more than 45 years. He is the author of six books, including the most recent, The Complete Leader, which he co-authored with Randy Lisk. Ron currently serves leaders in several countries, as well as serving as the president CEO of Price Associates. Ron, thanks so much for being with us today. It's great to be with you, Dale, and I've looked forward to this because I've heard so many of your podcasts and you're doing a terrific job, and I'm glad that I get to be the guest today. Well, as the uh, as the co-author of The Complete Leader, I have to say thank you for the opportunity, because this is your gig. <laughs> yeah, we've had a terrific time, and we sure have enjoyed your friendship and the way that you've helped and supported us along the way. So I gave the brief bio, but let's... Why leadership? Why did you choose leadership? What got you in the door to leadership? I, I think I actually went through the door kicking and screaming because you can look out there and there's so many different people talking about leadership. And there's so many books about leadership that I thought, how in the world can I ever add anything to that conversation? So I'd have to say it took me decades to come to grips with the fact that what I'm passionate about is helping people understand what leadership means for them. And then to begin to discover that because maybe I'm wired differently or because of experiences that I've had, that I've got some insights or some things to share that I don't hear other people sharing. So I finally dipped my toes in. So did I hear you say leadership is different for each and every person? Yeah, because if you think about it, first of all, leadership, if you boil it down to the purest definition, Peter Drucker always joked that uh, a leader is somebody who has followers. <laughs> and I guess that's true. But I think of it broader than that, because then how do you, what do you define as following? So I think of a leader as being somebody who is a person of influence, something in, about the way, in the way that they do their work, in the way that they think, in the way that they share or re relate with others, influences other people so that people think differently or make different decisions or behave differently. So fundamentally, I think everybody has the potential to be a leader because everybody can be an influencer. Our topic today, self-awareness, you say it's the number one leadership competency. When you say self-awareness, uh, awareness, what is it and why do you say that it is, uh, you know, get us deeper than just the, the superficial, I, we, I get what self-awareness is, knowing who I am, but, but take us a little deeper and why is it that number one competency? Well, self-awareness sounds so simple and yet it's something that you deal with your entire life. The great philosophers of Greek tradition started at Socrates, said the whole purpose of life is to know yourself. And I always joke that when a philosopher says something simple, it's never simple. <laughs> so he spent almost his entire career as a philosopher talking about how this is the purpose of life. This is our journey in life is to know who you are. So it has to be more than the color of your eyes and the color of your hair and how tall you are. What you There's much more to it. And so we move along further, and Kierkegaard, who was another existentialist philosopher, said, no, 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 it's not enough to know yourself. You have to choose yourself. Well, what in the world did he mean? Well, that it's one thing to get to know who you are, and that's an iterative, it's an evolutionary process throughout your lifetime. But then the question is, are you going to accept it? Are you going to embrace it? Or are you going to work against who you are 
And a lot of us, whether it's because of what our parents wanted us to be or what we think success is defined by or some other force, we have a hard time once we get to know who we are embracing it. We, we still want to be something different or we want a little bit of what we are, but then we want to be more like somebody else as well. So Kierkegaard said, you have to learn how to choose yourself. And but, as if that wasn't enough. But I want to st- I want to pause there. Okay. What are some ways that you have seen people do the opposite and maybe not even be aware that they're not choosing themselves? We work with so many people in leadership positions that when we begin to talk about self-awareness and we begin to use some of our tools to help them go deeper, they begin to say to us, I don't really know who I am. And why did I end up where I'm at? And we go back and retrace what caused them to make the decisions for what they studied in school and what their first job was and what jobs they accepted. And more often than not, it was based on outside influences rather than an intense, deep understanding of who they were. So it's, it's not just been my personal experience, but with so many people that I've worked with, They spend decades coming to the realization that they don't know who they really are, and they don't even know how to get there. They don't even know what tools to use to get there. And the philosophers could ask us the question, but even the philosophers didn't exactly know how to get there. And that's a lot of what drives me to help people understand what's unique about their leadership. And yet a few more philosophers. Yeah, yeah, there's another one. So his name was Mirandola. He was an Italian philosopher. He said, ah, Socrates said, know yourself. That's not enough. Kierkegaard, choose yourself. Okay, that's good, but not enough. You have to create yourself. (laughs) So what does he mean? Well, what I think he means is that there's a difference between talent and skill. Talent is what you were given. We all have certain tendencies and we make certain choices. But skill is what we learn. It's what we make of the talent that we've been given. You know, we could talk about somebody like Phil Mickelson, who's a great golfer. Phil Mickelson started golfing when he was young, and he's had a lot of great lessons, and he's won, I think, five major tournaments. I could practice just as much as Phil Mickelson. I could have started at the same time he started, and I guarantee you I would not be on the PGA Tour today because he had something for golf that I don't have. Talent. But that talent wasn't enough. He had to put it to use. He had to develop it. He had to get coaching. He had to practice. He had to compete. And through years and years and years of work, he turned that talent into a skill that resulted in him being one of the top golfers in the world today. That's Mirandola saying you've got to create yourself. But a part of that is knowing the talent to build the skill. Boy, that's so important. I I think you can spend 10,000, 20,000, 30 hours, 30,000 hours working on getting good at something. And if you didn't build on the right foundation, you're never going to reach what you could have been. If instead you know who you are and you understand what your natural talent is, and then you make intelligent decisions to develop skills and to build competency on that foundation, now you can go somewhere that's unique, somewhere that only you could go because you're combining your natural unique talent with efforts and years of discipline and study and learning and practicing and performing in order to reach the apex of your potential. So can I say, know thyself, choose thyself, create thyself, sounds a bit like thyself is a bit self-absorbed. Yeah, you know, so there's one more that I talk about. Now, not everybody calls him a philosopher, and you could really insert any religious leader into this, but for me, Jesus is my religious leader. 
And he said, give thyself. Okay. And in effect, he said, until you've given it away, you haven't started to lead. You can know who you are. You can choose to embrace it. You can develop it. But until it impacts somebody else's life, you're not a leader because a leader's a person of influence. So really the summation of it is, now how do I give myself? I love, I've, I've just finished reading uh, David Brooks' book, The Road to Character, and I love one of the things he says at the end. We've, we've built a generation of people who think, what does the world owe me? When really what we need to be asking if we can be the most effective leader possible is, what do I owe the world? What is the world asking of me? And part of how I learn that is by understanding who I am, embracing it, developing it, and then finding out where I can give it. Sounds uh, vaguely familiar to ask not what your country can do for you. Yes, somebody named John F. Kennedy who said that the first time. So let's talk about how this relates to effective leadership. This podcast is about uh, helping people become a high-performing leader. Where does this this idea of self-awareness play? Well, to be a great leader of other people, it's first important that you understand what your strengths, what your weaknesses are, where you can have the most impact, and how you can lead others in a place that's going to take them to a better place as a result. So self-awareness, I think, is the first and most important skill of leadership is because it's in self-awareness that you understand where you're at and how you can advance and how you can take other people along with you. And there's some very specific ways that you can grow your self-awareness. It's not only a philosophical statement. There are some very practical things that you can do. But I heard you you call it a skill, which leads me to believe that then it's a learned. It's not necessarily something that's a natural gift, correct? Yeah, I think it's both a part of the natural maturation process of a human being and a learned skill. So, for instance... Is a 10-year-old more self-aware than a baby? Mm -hmm. Probably so. Is an 18-year-old more self-aware than a 10-year-old? We hope so. If they're maturing, we would say that if they're not, if they still have the self-awareness of a 10-year-old, we would say that they're an immature 18-year-old. And so it's a part of the natural process of the way that the human brain develops itself. And yet it's also a learned skill if we understand specific things that we can do to develop self-awareness, then we can accelerate and take our level of self-awareness to heights that never would have happened if we didn't have a clear pathway to follow. All right, lead us down the road. Well, there are two big things. The first is self-evaluation. And self-evaluation can happen a lot of ways. It can happen through just journaling about yourself. It can happen by taking psychometric assessments. So what's a psychometric assessment? These are different psychological models that have been developed and tested over many years where you answer a series of questions or you organize a series of statements according to what's most like you or least like you or one of the ones we use, you organize two lists of 18 items. The first list is from what you perceive to be the most good to the most bad. And the second list, what you agree with the most to what you agree with the least. So there are all kinds of different psychological assessments that help you get to understand what your natural patterns are. And so we define talent as these naturally recurring patterns of thought, motivation, and behavior that you can apply in a productive way. And I thought I was pretty self-aware until I started taking these. And I've been using these now for 25 years as a part of understanding myself and helping other leaders understand themselves. 
And I'm, I continue to discover new insights by using these kinds of instruments that put us through a filter or a model that help us think about how we respond to problems or how we influence people or how we respond to change in our environment or what motivates us, what drives our behaviors and things like that. So this is all a part of self-evaluation. It could be journaling. It could be taking time to reflect deeply. It could be um, taking these psychometric uh, assessments. It could be looking at other leaders and recognizing what we resonate with and what we say, wow, I can see some of myself in that person. That's the first part. Can somebody else participate in the self-evaluation? So can I ask a friend some specific questions to get a better idea of how I'm perceived by others? Would that, would that be part of it? Well, that, that could help you develop more self-awareness. I yes. actually consider that the second strategy. Oh. So the first strategy is self-evaluation. Okay. The second is, how do I let other people help me? Okay. A lot of audiences have heard me say, Dale, something that um, at first they think is a little bit odd. But I announced to them that even though I'm in my 60s, I have still never seen the back of my head. And of course, they pause. And then there's a chuckle here and there. And then I say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a man. Every three months or so, I pull out the double mirrors so I can look back there and see if there's a bald spot growing. But the reality is, even then, I'm still not seeing, literally seeing the back of my head. I need mirrors to help me. And as a leader, if I want to have optimal self-awareness, I need mirrors. In this case, those mirrors are people who are around me who I trust, who see me day in and day out, and who are willing to give me honest feedback about what they see. So to be able to develop that kind of relationships, both where they feel comfortable and trusting to give me that feedback, and where I've learned how to listen to it and let it have a positive impact on me. That's a great sign of a mature leader. Because most of us, when people give us feedback, you know what we do. It's called blame, defend, or deny. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If you knew what was really going on, you wouldn't tell me that I was that way. Or we defend ourselves and say, well, yeah, I, I know I've got that problem a little bit. Or even sometimes when they, when they tell us what we're doing well, we defend ourselves, or we could say we deny it because we don't want to give ourselves too much credit. We're afraid of basking in something, a compliment that somebody else is giving us. So we want to work toward the middle. We want to reject the criticism and we want to reject the praise so that we protect ourselves in the middle. Well, that's an immature approach to receiving feedback. That's and, hard to hear right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, Dale, you, you mentioned in the introduction that I've been involved in leadership for over 45 years. This is probably one of the things that I am the happiest about in all my experience in leadership is when I finally learned how to quiet my emotions and listen to feedback without judgment. Mm. It's an amazing thing because the brain has an emotional center to it. And a lot of times people start to give you feedback and that e there's an emotional trigger in your brain that creates either a fight or a flight response. And to, to develop the discipline and the openness and the confidence yet humility where you can quiet yourself and listen to somebody else's feedback without an emotional reaction. It's, it's one of the greatest pleasures I experience now because so many other people are helping me develop more self-awareness. I'm going to ask a tough question, uh, but digging back into your memory, is there a seminal place or a line in the sand 
where you reached that realization and something snapped and you said, I can accept that feedback or I can accept that criticism or I can accept that praise in that stable emotional place? Probably the thing that had the biggest impact for me, though it was still iterative, is when I began to understand what emotional intelligence is and to understand it not just from a psychological point of view, but to understand the neuroscience of emotional intelligence and to understand that when there's this trigger in the limbic system of my brain, because all of a sudden somebody said something that has stirred me emotionally, that I have to learn how to not make judgments or respond when I'm flushed with that emotion. So I learned to quiet myself and I learned to let that emotion flow out of my system and not trust it. And I could come back and begin to evaluate and listen to what they were saying. So sometimes when somebody gives me feedback, I can't absorb it immediately. But I learned I could say, thank you. I'm going to take time to process that. And given time to think about it over time, I eventually, more often than not, see the light or see the truth or the insight that they're sharing with me as a gift when they give me feedback. You know what I've discovered, Dale? You surround yourself with good people. It's almost never that they give you bad feedback. It's almost always accurate. The question is, am I ready to receive it? Am I ready to hear it and let it be a, a gift to me instead of something that causes me to rise up my defenses? So I'm going to go to the, the other side of this equation, to the leader who says she or he is surrounded by yes people who are too afraid to give that feedback. Uh, it's, or they also work to insulate the leader. And I think we see that often where the, the leader is insulated from the opportunity to be self-aware through, through others' help. Yeah. How do, what are some ways we can open the door and get through or break down the barriers to get through and to get help from others as leaders when we might be insulated? Well, most human relationships grow deeper or improve step by step, little by little. And so if you're surrounded with a group of people that you really want, you hunger for their honest feedback, but they don't feel they can give it, I don't think you can point to one announcement that you're going to make, okay, now I want you to give me honest feedback, and all of a sudden things are going to change. You have to do little things along the way that demonstrate that you're serious about getting their feedback. And the first step I would recommend is let them know that you know something about your weaknesses. Don't be afraid to talk about them. We, t we tend to think that the person who confesses their weaknesses is weak. But if you confess your weaknesses from a, from a point of confidence because you know who you are, you've chosen to embrace who you are, and you're creating yourself, it actually makes you stronger in other people's eyes that you can be honest and candid and not manipulative, but just humble about what your weaknesses are. And the truth is, when you begin to confess them, Everybody around you already knew they were there. They just didn't know you knew. <laughs> so that's the first step you can take. The second step is learn how to ask for specific feedback, not just, hey, Dale, how am I doing today? Or, Dale, you've been watching me for the last month. How am I doing as a leader? Instead, maybe it's, Dale, I've been working on interrupting other people less in meetings. In the meeting that we're going into in a couple hours, I'd like you to pay attention, and I'd like your feedback after the meeting. Did I interrupt people? If so, maybe you could keep 
track on a post-it note of how many times I interrupted somebody. When you ask people to give you specific feedback, it's a lot easier for them to have the courage to give it because you asked for it. They're just responding to your request. And that can eventually grow into saying, is there anything that I'm doing that's getting in the way of your performance? Of, of asking in a broader sense, and now they'll have the courage. So it's really three steps. The first step is confess your faults to them up front. Let, let them know that you know that you have some weaknesses. Second, ask for very specific feedback that's easy to give and in a, time, in a specific time frame. And then you can begin to ask, what else could I be working on? What else could I could do? What could I do to get out of your way? When when I'm leading other leaders and we have these meetings where we talk about their performance, one of my questions is always, "So what am I doing that's bothering you? What am I doing that's keeping you from being successful?" And if they keep hearing me ask it over and over and over, they begin to believe that I really want to know. So repetition, yeah, to prove the point. If you really believe it and you really communicate that regularly, they they will eventually become more and more courageous and they'll start looking for ways they can help you with that instead of being afraid. So I'm going to go back and just recap quickly the two steps to self-evaluation because, um, I'm sorry, to self-awareness because it is a skill that goes along with maturation. But the first is self-evaluation and that's uh, through things as simple as journaling and also psychometric assessments, reflecting deeply to the psychometric assessments. Fancy word for the DISC? Well, DISC is one of them. Okay. We actually use seven different sciences to help people develop self-awareness. So behavioral styles, we use a DISC profile. Uh, workplace motivators, what are the driving forces for somebody? Acumen capacity, we're looking at their subconscious biases. We look at their um, emotional intelligence. We look at the way that stress is affecting them right now. We look at what their preferences are for different kinds of tasks. And then finally, we do a regular evaluation of their current level of mastery of 25 different leadership skills. And that's what the book, The Complete Leader, is all about. Okay. So you can learn more about that in The Complete Leader. Any parting words for us? We're going to really, have a few more conversations. Really great to be with you. It is. So if you would like to contact Ron, all of his information is uh, right there in the show notes. So definitely look there while you are out and about learning more about Ron Price, Price Associates, and The Complete Leader. Be sure and go into iTunes and leave a review. Write a review. Just a, a two sentences would be fantastic. And a rating. Hopefully, we've earned five stars from you. We do have a few more conversations with Ron in upcoming episodes. Be sure and subscribe to The Complete Leader. And we thank you for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.